Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan and thank you for joining us today. Today, at the time I'm recording this, it is Father's Day. So first off, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I cannot stress enough how important you are to your family and what kind of an impact you'll have on your children. I encourage you to lead your families in the Lord and to prepare your children for the reality of the world ahead of them. And what is the reality of the world ahead of them? Unfortunately, right now, it is a world where the patriarchy is in danger and it is seen as something that is unnecessary. And I thought it was very appropriate that the Babylon Bee had an article about this today that says this, Nation takes a short break from telling fathers that they are useless, easily replaceable idiots. And that's exactly what your liberal evil agenda will tell you to do and tell you what you are. But let me assure you that your role as a father is of vital importance. In this corrupt world, we need strong, godly children in society today. And you are responsible for equipping your little saints for this very thing. Proverbs 22.6 says to train up a child in the way he should go, because even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So don't ever get discouraged being a dad. Your role is very important, and don't let anybody tell you different. The Lord honors what you're doing. Today I wanted to talk to you about magicians and the act of brainwashing. Why this? Well, because these are the tools of warfare that the demonic world uses on us every day, whether we realize it or not, and we need to be aware of these tactics. Now, when I refer to a magician, I'm talking about someone who does magic tricks, like card tricks, pulling a coin out of your ear, and so on. I'm not talking about magicians that use real magic. Those kinds of magicians are much easier to identify and are certainly deeply evil, but that's not what I'm referring to at the moment. The magic that we're talking about heavily depends upon abusing the human psyche in order to confuse it with psychological illusions. We know that magic tricks like this are not real, but they look so convincing that we fool ourselves into believing that they are. So how exactly do they do this? A street magician employs three main techniques to trick you. Misdirection, attention control, and simulation. Let's start with the first one, the art of misdirection. What is that? Misdirection controls where your attention is and shows you what the user wants you to see or not see. The magician will start conversation with you or point out objects with his hands or show you something that's in his hand and so on in order for you to focus your attention on something. What they're wanting you to do is to focus on that and they want you to focus on this very thing so that it will distract you from what they're really trying to do and that is what lets them accomplish whatever is needed for their trick to be successful. So by mis directing you, you are missing out on the truth behind the trick. The next thing they do is they use attention control, and that is really just abusing sensory information. 
They force you to notice what they want you to notice. They already have your attention over here with one hand, so now they try to control and persuade how you perceive these things. If they want you to focus on something that they think is important, whether it really is or not, they can be very influential. As for the opposite, they can make something important into something boring or insignificant. Think of a coin trick, where the magician is convincing you that the coin is in his right hand through conversation and through skillful movements of his hands, but the coin has always been in the left hand. Now, the last thing they do is they use simulation. They fool you with an imitation or illusion of what we think should be the end result. It's the final act of deception that locks us in and starts creating something in us that buys into what is going on. When the magician opens his left hand and shows us the coin that's always been there, we say, whoa, how did you do that? That's amazing. And now we are completely sold on the idea because we could not process what was going on. Does any of that sound like what's going on today? I came to the realization recently that there are strong parallels between patterns of evil that can also be found in the same techniques that a street magician uses. It's these weaknesses in our mind that give the demonic world an opportunity to entice you and lead you astray. Satan and his minions have been around for a very long time and would likely consider themselves experts on how to exploit human psychology and drive us in their desired direction. So, I have to ask you, where are you spending most of your attention? And I'm not talking about things that have to be done, like our jobs, our responsibilities, our daily necessities like eating and hygiene, but even in those things, what are your motivations in doing them? But more importantly, I'm talking about your free time, the portion of your day where you are able to do whatever you feel like doing. What are most people's time spent doing these days? I can think of things like TV, video games, surfing the internet, uh, playing on your phone, social media, the news, and the list just goes on and on. But we have to ask ourselves, what is the intent behind using these things against mankind? Why do demons use technology to captivate you? They are trying to brainwash you. And I'd be willing to bet that in some way, even a small one, they have successfully done so already. And yes, a Christian can be brainwashed. Do you want to know how to brainwash someone? This is what the world uses in order to brainwash someone. There's three steps that they use to accomplish this. The first step is desensitization. They desensitize you. If they get you used to being around sin, you'll soon be more accepting or tolerant of it. Their plan is just to bombard us with it on every medium. How are they doing that today? Where would you like to start is really the real question. 
Again, media has been much more bold lately as they push their agenda, but the subtle inclusion of these sinful ways have been happening for a very long time, but it's getting progressively worse. Especially with the further technology comes along, the easier it is to disseminate and integrate new ways to distract you. Especially with the creation of the internet. The more interconnected we are with each other, the easier it is to access and be exposed to the evils of this world. It should be of no surprise that these things have gotten exponentially worse since the creation of the internet, since now everyone has a global influence in limitless ways. So then it leads to the second part of brainwashing, and that's called jamming. Jamming disrupts the lives of the person they intend it for in order to force the exposure of something. Literally imagine someone jamming something down your throat, or you're watching a TV show and an ad pops up against your will. That is the kind of language that I'm using here. They want to make it to where, no matter what you're doing, where you look, there's going to be at least some hint of the evil agenda out there. And the third and final step of brainwashing is conversion. And I've heard it described this way. When you think of showering, right, you may at first have an aversion to it. But eventually, you'll get used to being wet. Feeling wet will be normal. And that is exactly what this demonic agenda is trying to do. Make sin a normal thing, where it is readily accepted and everyone is participating in it. So in light of this, when it comes to technology, how should we properly understand this? Is technology for us or is it against us? Since technology and invention is both a creation of man and is allowed by God's will, I think that they share the same nature as their creators, as well as bear the same benefits or curses. From the Bible's point of view, we as humans are evil creatures that are occasionally capable of doing good things. Think about what James said regarding the human tongue in James chapter 3, verse 10. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. And he's exactly right. It shouldn't be this way. In the same way, technology can be used for both good and evil. On the same platform, you're able to listen to a spirit-powered sermon. Or you can watch a video about any myriad of sinful pleasures that exist in the world. Or, even worse, you can watch something that in itself is not harmful, but it's occupying your time when you could be doing something good with your time. Something wholesome, something truly beneficial. Just like God uses technology for his glory at times, Satan takes advantage of the weaknesses that are in us, and he uses technology to get to us. Now we have to ask ourselves, why do they use these things against us as human beings, especially as Christians? It's because the world hates you. And because the world hates you, they want your mind to be so far away from God that you are ineffective in everything you do for his kingdom. 
or, if possible, completely separate you from God and bring you back into their realm of influence. We each are more susceptible to different things from others, but we all share the same root problem. We are sinners by nature. It's our very nature to act on these impulses. Even worse, without demonic influence, we will still choose those things over God every time. Satan and his forces are very good at these psychological assaults on our lives, and the technology we've created has made it much easier for them to distract us. The enemy knows that the biology of sin works every time. And it's always the same three things, like the Bible says. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. They are the means that Satan has direct influence on our choosing sin over God's standards. A distracted Christian is a double-minded Christian. And a double-minded Christian is a useless Christian. Why does the world hate Christians so much? It's because we no longer belong to Satan. Those who belong to Satan, the ones that are not saved, refuse anything that has anything to do with God. Satan hates the name of Jesus. And because of that, those who belong to Satan hate you. In light of this, it makes sense that Jesus said this to the Pharisees of his day in John chapter 8, verses 42 through 47. And it says this, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the word of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Because the world is not of God, they hate you and everything you stand for. But remember this, the world hates you because you follow Jesus. Jesus is what they really hate, and they will take it out on you. John 15, 18, 18 through 19 says this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. So why does the world hate Jesus? Because he is the embodiment of all that God is, and he has clear expectations for his creation. God made the law, the commandments, and precepts of the Bible for us to learn who he is and to not defile his supreme holiness. 
as his creations, we are subject to him for all eternity. Whether you believe that or not, that is reality. Those who do not believe will have a very painful reality check that is accompanied by eternal fire on the day of judgment. Since the world has rejected God, his wrath will be kindled against them. In Isaiah 66, verses 4 through 5, it says this, So I will choose their punishments and will bring on them what they dread. Why? Because I called, but no one answered. I spoke, but they did not listen. And they did evil in my sight and chose that in which I did not delight. Now, for those who are children of God, what should be our proper response? It says this, Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you, who exclude you for my name's sake, have said, Let the Lord be glorified, that we may see your joy. But they will be put to shame. Because of their defiance to God's will, the world is at war against him and those who belong to him. Much like Romans chapter 1, since these people are obstinate and refuse to listen, God has released them into their lusts. This is why there are so many things going on in the world today that are plain nonsensical and lack any form of logic to them, and it is actually God's doing. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 11 through 15 says this, For this reason... God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. What then is the hope that we have? If we continue, it says this, But we should always give thanks to God for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, Because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Knowing that this is going around us every day, pretending to be harmless at times, pretending to be convenient at times, or just downright evil in our face, how should we respond to this? Let's start with some good news, and probably the best news that you could ever hear. Jesus has already acted on your behalf. He has given us his truth. John 17, 14-18 says this, I have given them your word, the word of God, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word, Lord, is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So because of what Jesus has done for us, 
How should we conduct ourselves today? How do we get sanctified in the truth? It requires repentance, devotion to God, and spending time in His Word. Now, when I say repentance, I'm not only saying that we should admit that we are actively sinning and seek forgiveness, but we should also identify anything in our lives that is holding us back from being set ablaze by the Holy Spirit. If you listen to my testimony, you'll know that video games are one of my biggest vices and my most potent addiction. I cannot simply compromise with it, and I cannot live in both worlds at the same time, because every time I introduce it into my life, I slowly drift away from the Lord. So in order for me to be as godly as possible, I had to utterly cut it out of my life. Perhaps there's something in your life that causes you to resist the Lord's attempts at sanctifying you. Hebrews 12, 1-2 says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, every weight, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Not only that, but also Jesus himself said this in Matthew 18, 8-9. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and to be cast into the eternal fire. If your eyes cause you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be cast into the fiery hell. He is not saying to literally cut your arm off or gouge an eye out. I hope we know that. But what he is saying is that you need to identify whatever vice holds your heart captive and completely cut it out of your life forever. How extreme do we have to go? That's up to you. Do I seriously need to cut TV out of my life completely? Maybe. Does that mean I have to quit social media? Personally, I strongly recommend it. It's just a cesspool out there. Should I stop looking at my phone instinctually every time I have a dull moment? Only you know this, and under God's direction for you, but it is a strong possibility. It will be tough at times. I know this firsthand. There are times, even now, where my mind longs for and craves video games, much like someone on a diet craves a slice of cake. But we cannot give in to these temptations. Because 1 John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I hope you find this helpful. And if you are struggling with any worldly vices, you need to pray. 
you need to repent, you need to pray, and you need to make some changes in your life. And only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we achieve the final, ultimate outcome that He desires for us. Just like it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Well, let's do the opposite of what the world is telling us to do. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we do that? How do we renew our mind? By spending time in His Word and meditating on His truths. Why? So that we may prove what the will of God is. And what is God's will for you? Everything which is good and acceptable and perfect. I also would love to pray for you. We as believers should be lifting each other up in prayer so that we can conquer these curses in our lives through the power and mercy of Jesus Christ. So please feel free to leave me uh, an email or a comment or a prayer request, and I'd be happy to get in touch with you as we journey through this life together. Thank you for listening to me today. Until next time, I'm Ryan, and have a great weekend, and God bless you. Take care.